If you're new to Believer's Church um, and wondering what, what is this place about um, and why is it so messy around here, these people can't remember their announcements. Um, yeah, this is what I think the best way to describe when we get together, we have what I call a living room liturgy. Living room liturgy, does that make sense? So the re- reason for that is, you know, in the history of God's presence on the earth, you know, in the garden, that didn't work out so hot. Then tabernacle and temple, right, where we couldn't make it to God's presence. But because of Jesus splitting that veil between us and God's presence, that de- where's God's temple? It's us. We're his temple. It's not buildings. It's people. And here's the thing. I've come to realize God will not meet or give grace to people who do not exist. Here's what, and the place you're most yourself without your front is in a living room. Does it make sense? You know what I'm saying? Like if someone comes into your living room and they start saying, Thus says the Lord, you'll be like, what are you doing, man? This is really weird. Can you move out of, I'm trying to see the TV, bro, you know? But why do we do that as the temple when we get together in a church setting? It's not very helpful. That's why I love our children. I mean, we're just, we're just watching the kids. He's just, oh, God, you're so beautiful. Just let them run. Why wouldn't we want the living room of God and his presence to be the most comfortable, normal place to be? So there's a great actual intentionality in the way we do this. Because that's why our, our greeting time lingers for so long. Is because we, we want to be the family of God. And the only way to do that is to know one another. And we have other contexts in which we do that. But if, if the messiness messes with you, hey, listen, I'm an OCD perfectionistic one on the Enneagram. I mean, that is like as rigid as they come, right? And the Lord has chilled me out. I can just enjoy life and think, just knowing things never go to plan. And that's the joy. Okay, so if you're new to BC and you're wondering why is it like that, it's just, it's, it's kind of what we do on purpose. We want, want you to be able to be yourself, including that song, you know, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness. Yeah, we all kind of are. But the more safety we see in the love of the Father and the love of the Father expressed to one another, we can start to just be ourselves. Sound good? If not, I'm sure you won't come back, so it's Okay. <laughs> was that too direct I don't know if that was I thought it was funny but it was like it's just true I've been doing this 20 years so it's just you know so hey I wanted to give a shout out the BC men's ministry a bunch of guys came up and spent the day yesterday fixing things in the building that I myself could never know how to do can you guys stand up that we're here Zach let's give them a hand come on all right yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I don't notice anything. I'll tell you a story. Every morning, uh, John and I will walk around the property just to pray. And here's how observant I am. You know how we have those semi-trailers in the back? I had noticed I got in a text and I was walking and John said, Gail! Because I was walking straight to the semi-trailer. It would have knocked myself out if it were for... It would have said, thank God for community. It's such a great illustration. So thank you to the observant men among us fixing things. Well, as you know, it's a new year. 
Does it feel like, I don't know about you, but it seems like so much happened this week, I feel like it's the third month of the new year already. It's like, all right, New Year's is done, we're in. Um, right in 23 all the time. Um, it's a new year, and last year we prayed together. How many, were most of you guys here? Maybe yes, no? I'm trying to see who's really faithful. Really good. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. We prayed together last week to start the year, and the reason we do that Why? It's because we are the temple of God. What we do is pray together. This is just just in the book of Acts. Instances where God's people are together praying. It's our normal lifestyle. And one of the reasons we pray together is prayer is what leads to stuff that matters. If you go back to last week's sermon, there's, there's, there's more info on that. But you can see seven really dramatic examples in Acts where prayer preceded explosive growth in the church or amazing healings, just all this kind of stuff. It was always preceded by prayer together. We want to, I bet you do too, I want to be doing stuff that in the long run actually matters. You know what I'm saying? It, it just, it, 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 and here's the, here's the great news. I'm not smart enough to always know what matters. So I've got to pray so he can direct me and focus me into a a life that he's saying, this is what's significant to me. Because he knows what's best, right? He sees the end from the beginning. So, and the other thing is, for especially as we go into a new year and just how we live life, we want to shift from what do I do to who do we follow? Is the very word that Matt Olson gave in that prophetic moment there, uh, one of our elders is, is, is not, what am I going to do to become great or significant? What am I going to do to make sure my life mattered? I've given up on that. I just want to say, Jesus, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. And that sometimes is really, really simple little stuff, sometimes really sacrificial. It, but it doesn't really matter because he's with me in it. He knows it matters. So, Last week, we prayed through the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. We went through sentence by sentence. And one of the things we've noticed is that there's four movements to this prayer. There's a pause as it leads into the prayer. There's a rejoicing time where we start with that uh, to frame who God is, who we're actually talking to. Then we ask and then we yield. How many of you guys, uh, maybe you're like me, I've left, I've prayed my prayers and then I've left with the concerns I prayed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm just letting you know, I guess, and I'll work it from here, God, you know? <laughs> but, but, but we yield these things to the Lord. And life is so much lighter when I'm not trying to be in control of everything. And so what I want us to do and what we've been praying into is that we're going to continue to pray together. Why? It's the normal practice of what we do as a community of Jesus followers, as the temple of God. And so the question is, how can we continue to pray together? Sometimes we want to just repeat an experience we had. Last Sunday was great. Heard a lot of great feedback. But we're not necessarily going to do that all the time. What we're going to do is actually engage in a daily prayer rhythm together. And you could say, why would I say that? Why would we do that? It's because it's the normal life of the church. A daily prayer rhythm is the normal life of the church. Let me show you what I mean. Okay, 
So we see the first time we see it, one of the first or clearest times we see it is in this psalm, Psalm 119, 164. It says, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. And throughout the history of Judaism, pre-Jesus, there is this practice of regular prayer happening either at the tabernacle and then the temple corporately. So you can see hints of it. And even in the New Testament of it continuing. So we see in Luke 1.10 when, when Zacharias is, is, is uh, one of the priests going into the Holy of Holies. It says the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. Jesus regularly said every day I used to sit within the temple grounds. Jesus was in this habit of going to the temple on a regular basis to pray. How do we know that? We could, well, here's this fun little history you can tell your friends at parties. That the Romans, who were in charge of the planet that we knew about at that time, organized the day with their hours. It was this 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12, 3 and P. 3 P and 6 P. 3 and P. And my 13-year-old self is going, hee, hee, hee. This is so funny. He said, P. <laughs> this is the way, if you go into a Roman city, they would, from the forum, like sound a bell or something to let you know it's 6 a.m., the day's starting. Then at 9 a.m., it's third hour. 12, they'd take a break till 3, which sounds fantastic, doesn't it? And then go back to work from 3 to 6. And so... Judaism that already had this practice of daily prayer, when you're in the Roman Empire, this is easy. Let's just kind of incorporate, and if you will, baptize this practice. And we can see this in the New Testament. So Jesus is going up to the well on his way to Samaria, tired from his journey, is sitting by the well. It was about the sixth hour. If, who's, who knows what time that is? Very good. Um, then Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. They had this regular thing of going to the temple to pray. On the next day, he's on the way and approaching the city. Peter went up on the housetop. Now, he's not in Jerusalem. He's in a place called Joppa. So at the sixth hour, he goes up on a household roof to pray, which was normal, by the way. It's not like our households. It wasn't extraordinary what he was doing. <laughs> and and, and a, incredible stuff happened there, if you know the story behind that. It was the whole Gentile mission of Gentiles coming to the church, were an important part of what happened to him in that moment of prayer. That was just part of his daily rhythm. This is cool. There's a story that's going on. So Peter's going up on the household housetop to pray, and another fellow Jew of Peter's is in a completely different city called Caesarea. So there's daily prayer going on in Jerusalem. Peter is in Joppa, and this guy Cornelius is in Caesarea. It's further north. It says there's a man at Caesarea at the same time named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and made many charitable contributions to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. So he's a Gentile that had actually come into the Jewish faith at this point. And about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius... Now, we could say, I'm assuming he's praying at the ninth hour, but we see about verse 30, he retells the story. He said, yeah, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour. 
So this, there's just this rhythm of people, whether they're in Jerusalem or not, following this rhythm of prayer that at times is individual, but actually it's always corporate. Isn't that cool? And, and so, again, we see, this is a little harder to see, but if you look at, in Acts 1 and 2, when the, early, when the church, Jesus said, I want you guys to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit shows up, and then you're going to be my witnesses. Well, you know there's a gap of time, right? Between the time Jesus ascended to the Father and the Holy Spirit came. So what did they do in the meantime? Well, Acts 1.14 said they were continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer. Now, if we don't think to, you know, don't question our assumptions, what we might assume is whatever your last prayer meeting was, was what they were doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you think they're walking around praying in tongues, you know, doing, yeah, I don't know, or, 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 or listen, listening to their iPod music, you know? I said iPod. Does anybody even know what that is? <laughs> That's awesome. I'm aging in front of you guys. It's just happening. Well, we can kind of get a feel for what they might have been doing. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. They'd been praying together when they get together. And then when Peter's explaining the crazy stuff that's happening to them, that they're literally speaking in other languages, the glories of God, he says it's the third hour of the day. Isn't that cool? That, that, that they're in this rhythm, it would appear, of praying together. And that God, as we have this regular connection, regular bids for connection, that, that, that at this moment, in this space, he meets his people. So, here's what's fascinating. is Did you know that these prayer rhythms have never stopped since the first century? They've never stopped. Now, if you're like me... I call myself a Protestant mutt. Like, I was born into a, a Presbyterian church, baptized as a Presbyterian baby. Then, this was the 70s when the charismatic movement was, was coming through. My parents got uh, all messed up by the Holy Spirit. And they ended up going to Why a Baptist Church after that. That then, yeah, I, I don't know what happened because there, there was a whole lot of Pentecostal Baptists like karate happening at that time and and then that church gets kicked out of the numbers i mean I, and then we went to a four square church and then I, i've been to an ag church so i call myself a protestant mutt because because none of that we never went to orthodox or or catholic services and and never once did we do a prayer rhythm daily so i'm assuming most everyone here is a protestant at some point yeah um but the Catholics and the Orthodox and the monks have never stopped doing this since the first century. You ever heard of the breviary or the Book of Common Prayer? Uh, that's what that whole thing is. is that what if we together would enter a rhythm that we know someone else I know and love is at this moment engaging with God in prayer. And I'm opening my day, I'm opening my life to be organized by my engagement with Jesus. Have you ever wondered how, how it, um, when Paul says a couple different times, pray without ceasing? What is that? What, I mean, have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought how crazy that might seem if you just walked around praying all the time? 
But here's one way that, that the early church figured it out. It's like, okay, we're in different time zones and we're all doing this. If we have every time zone covered where we're praying, we can literally pray every hour of the day all around the globe. There's prayer constantly going before the throne room. Isn't that wild? It's really, really simple. And so, prayer at specific times with specific content has been happening throughout the church since its inception. It actually started before the New Testament church in Jewish life. With specific content, typically it's been the Psalms, other things like creeds, pieces of scripture, that kind of deal. And it's prayer wherever you find yourself. So we see Peter on a housetop. We see Cornelius in his house. We see guys at the temple. And it's prayer together. There's something about prayer together that's really, really helpful. Have any, have any of you ever, ever been in something like a D group where it's easier to talk about that I, I held to some kind of pattern of engaging with Jesus if other people know I'm doing it? Have you noticed that? No? Okay, all right. If you haven't, it's really helpful. And that's why we're inviting this, you into this for Believer's Church right now. We're actually doing this. Okay. I'm not sure what I expected, but it's really quiet. So, yeah, I don't know what I expected. Yeah. You see how insecure if you were up here. Morning, midday, and evening. We want to, we want to test this out. And we're going to test it from now until Easter. Just a daily rhythm of prayer that we engage in together. And it's really similar to this. You can do it when you're actually physically with other people or wherever you find yourself. You, you might be, be anywhere and engage in this. And, and here's the content we'd, we'd want you to pray. So we're doing the same. The morning, the Lord's Prayer. Midday. Our Oikos map. I'll explain that in a second what that means. It has nothing to do with yogurt. <laughs> in the evening, a prayer of gratitude. Okay? We're not given a specific hour for each of these because all of us, sometimes you've got to be a little flexible, right? And if you're like me, sometimes I forget. Um, but let me tell you what we mean by each of these prayers. They're pretty easy and it's pretty wearable. But I think something profound is going to happen in us. So... Lord's Prayer, we've already gone through this. You, if you want to, just go through Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father, pause on it a little bit. Who art in heaven. Just because each of those has something that we can pray into and sit on. Uh, we did it last week. If you've never done that before, you can, we went a full hour last week just on the Lord's Prayer. So if you want to take as much time, you could, you could do a day on the Lord's Prayer. Or you could do five minutes. Did you know there's no magic amount of time to pray? You know how to stop praying when it's time to stop praying? When you're done. Stop praying when you're done. Because Jesus, don't you love that phrase? Don't keep on repeating and babbling like the pagans as if your father doesn't know what you're talking about. I find the more competent I've gotten in prayer, the less words I use. I just want to sit and say, I don't know. Here's one of my favorite prayers. Lord, I don't know anything. Amen. I'm absolutely serious. I don't know anything. I'm just so grateful to be with you. Another thing you could do is like we did last week is sometimes we'll just do these four movements. If, if, if I just want to keep it simple, I just want to pause for a second. Notice, man, my mind is racing. My heart is racing. I need to pause. 
And then I'm going to rejoice. Before I ask the Lord a single thing, I'm going to just have a little bit of gratitude. Lord, thank you that I'm just still breathing. Sometimes it's the best you can muster, right? I'm breathing today. Then I'm going to ask, Lord, I need this today. Look, well, you know what's so important about this? Sometimes I just forget to ask. I find that a lot of times anxiety will lead just when I think to ask the Lord. It's like, oh, I was just carrying this myself the whole time. What was I doing? And then to yield. So, we, so I'm not going to spend much time on this because we spent an hour on it last week. Uh, but, but look at the podcast or listen to the podcast and look at the video if you want to see a little more how you can go deeper into that. So that's the morning prayer. Midday prayer is what we call the oikos map. What we mean by that, oikos is, is a Greek word that essentially, essentially is basically your relational network. So, so it, it, it literally means household. But what we mean by that and the way it was, that word was exercised in the New Testament is say, what are, the, what are the network of relationships in my life? Who, who are the people I interface with that if, if you just had to put me in the center of something that had some spokes out to relationships, what are those relationships? And the way we, we think about this, is we specifically want to target our prayer to people who are far from God. Guys, I can tell you story after story of how this actually works. It works. It works. It works. And so it can be people far from God, or one of the things that I found to be helpful, especially being in church a while, people who've wandered from God. If you're like, I, I, I can't think of anybody right off the top of my bat who's just totally never been in the faith, but I bet you can think of some people who've left the faith. I'm telling you, prayer, 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 prayer is the way into the kingdom, to inf- the most influential thing we can possibly do. You can have every technique. I know lots of techniques for sharing the gospel. I happen to be good with words, and I've found prayer is way more effective. It precedes all movement. And so people far from God, some, some ideas. It could be people in your family, could be neighbors, could be a coworker, could be friends, could be people in the service industry. I'll just say, what do you mean by that? Well, I was meeting with a friend for a while um, who had come back to the Lord, was doing just discipling work at a restaurant. And I'm just telling you, the Holy Spirit shows up when you do that stuff. Server literally walks up to me and says, hi. We never talked about any of this. Says, hey man, I'm a lost sheep. Can you guys pray for me? I mean, no intro. And then he goes on my Oikos map. What we've been able to do since then, I've been able to lead him back to Jesus, baptize him, the whole nine yards, and we're still going because of prayer. I am the worst evangelist I know. I am awkward um, socially. I, I, I am afraid of people. I mean, I'm also most likely to be on a phone and run into a truck without even knowing. I don't notice people. I mean, you're like, man, this guy's a terrible pastor. He's like, well, Jesus picks the weakest and weirdest to show his grace. That's First Timothy. He's showing off. If God could do it to that guy, my goodness, it's going to work out well for me. So service industry, recreational activities. I'm getting to disciple some guys that we coached soccer together 10 years ago. Spiritual conversations weren't necessarily happening then. But over time, praying, I'm not kidding, stuff pops. People texted me out of the blue in the middle of the night looking for friendship. 
Because I've been saying, Lord, I don't want to ask people to do something I'm not willing to do myself and believe actually works. I got to tell you, this is the most exciting part probably of my faith journey. To give people far from God. We get so, when you just don't have people close to God, we get so crazy and dumb about the stupidest things. About things that really don't matter. Because the, the deal is, we've got a lot of energy, and most of that energy is for mission. It's to engage people who don't know the beauty of Jesus who can be inside us. And tell us, you don't have to know all the details of how this is going to work out. You just have to know me. We get to walk around with that inside of us. But there's people deeply confused and angry and hurt and, and thinking crazy stuff. Man, i got to tell you, you, you have no idea what's under the hood with people and why they act the way they do. And this is such a deep joy that actually works. And the poor, we run into the people in disadvantaged positions all the time. We can put those people on our Oikos map. So here, here's the way we do a map of, of your relationships. Put yourself in a circle and then just start to think through and pray through relationships. God will bring somebody up to your mind. Maybe it's a coworker, Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody that, yeah, I just always check out in the line and I see this guy all the time. This happened to me once at Whole Foods. I always saw this particular person who was really flamboyantly in a broken space. And, and so I just decided I'm going to Whole Foods a lot. Why? Because I'm praying for that person. I've learned their name. And, and, and I'm scared to death that I'm going to look foolish. And let's do it. Let's do it. I need a little adrenaline in my life. Right? Netflix doesn't give the buzz that this Jesus stuff does. I'm just telling you. I, and I love Netflix. I do. I love, I love watching television shows. It's a nice, relaxing thing. But I'm telling you, there's an adventure. Life becomes an adventure when mission becomes a real thing. And so what ends up happening sometimes, like, okay, this happened in one situation I was in where, where the guy that, I, um, that showed up, popped up, I started praying, he brings a friend. You just don't know what's going to happen. So I start praying for that person. Or everyone who's in any relational, it just on the planet, has their own network of relationships. And so you just don't know how it's going to work. And just prayer just becomes fun. It becomes a light thing. My prayers, when I say these, are really simple. Jesus, rescue my friends. Jesus, one of my favorite spots is 2 Corinthians 4, where it says the light that those that are far from God, unbelievers, their eyes have been blinded by the darkness, but it's God who says, let there be light. The God who said, let there be light, brought the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. There's an imam in Brooklyn. I met at, a, at a, um, uh, the Dallas airport. If you've been to Dallas airport, you have probably waited an inordinate amount of time for a flight. That just seems to be the thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so I met this guy, turned out as an imam. I, some of you guys might remember that story. It's been three years ago. I pray for him on a regular basis. It's going to cost him a lot to follow Jesus. It's going to cost him a lot. He, he's known globally. He's gone to Mecca. He's done stuff. But we still, we still converse. I'm praying for this guy. I believe we're going to see Siraj in the kingdom. Lord, do it. Bring Siraj to know you. And know the light of the knowledge of the glory of the one true God in the face of Jesus. Thank you. And I'm just in little Tulsa. Just a little guy. I'm not that little. 
But if you see my children, you're like, yeah, you're little. You're a little guy. You're a lot bigger than me. I'm not that fancy, whatever, but I can pray, and, and it, it activates heaven to move in our hearts and awaken faith in people that are, that are lost and, and afraid. And what we want to do is just for five minutes a day, just remember these guys. You'd be shocked what the Lord will do. Okay, so morning, the Lord's Prayer, midday, Oikos map, and then the evening, gratitude, Israel. Israel uh, taught us, you guys remember this a couple of sermons ago? He gave us this daily gratitude thing in Advent. I wanted him to take us onto this space. So will you teach us again how to be grateful at night? Yeah, this is something I've been practicing. I've been trying to practice the daily prayer rhythm for a couple months now. Um, but specifically the gratitude one, I've been trying to practice in my evenings. And so we explored this when we looked at the Advent virtue of joy. And we talked about the practice of gratitude uh, specifically through an examine. And examine is a practice that Christians have been doing for hundreds of years passed down from St. Ignatius, and there's different ways to do it. I've seen five steps that you go through. I've seen four steps. Um, What we talked about about a month or so ago was a a three-step one where we recognize where God is at in our lives in the past, in the present moment, and then looking ahead to the next day. And so simply, uh, and I've been practicing this before I go to sleep. Uh, That's the best time for me because everything's settled and I put my head in my pillow. And this is a really helpful way for me to reframe where God's at and practice gratitude. So I ask, God, where were you today? And I review my day with God. I, I try to picture it, observe where, he, where he's been. Sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, Lord, I didn't even acknowledge your presence in that moment, but you were right there, and I, I even see him next to me or near me. Or I even notice maybe a moment where um, he, he was near, and, and he was inviting me to do something, and I wasn't aware. I wasn't paying attention. And so these become moments not just of recognizing the good or the bad, in my opinion, of what's going down in my life, but, but moments where I recognize the presence of God, and that's the thing I find myself being most grateful for. So I try to bookend those moments of reviewing my day with God with closing it with, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're, you were with me today. Thank you that you're with me right now. And that's where I say, God, where are you right now? And this is a moment where I try to center down into, uh, Jesus, uh, reveal yourself to me in this moment. Even contemplate him, uh, look at him, gaze upon his face. I uh, recognize him and his nearness in that moment at the end of my day. And, and it's, they say like what you think about before you go to, to sleep has a lot to do with what your brain does in the meantime when you're sleeping. And so I just love the idea of my, my thoughts being on God before I go to sleep. And then lastly, I ask God, where will you be tomorrow? Um, and it becomes this cool little treasure hunt of like, oh man, maybe there's a meeting I'm not looking forward to or a conversation that I'm nervous about. And I'm like, oh, okay, Lord, you're going to be there. And it becomes this treasure hunt for me of Oh, God's going to be there. And, and again, try to bookend all of these with recognizing what there is in the presence of God and his nearness that I could be grateful for. Um, not just all being about the good or the bad, in my opinion, but about God's nearness that I can, that I can be thankful for and grateful for. So that's what's been helpful for me. Thank you, Israel. Isn't that good? You know, uh, my therapist has told me that one of the, and I looked it up, there's research that Mild to moderate depression symptoms, they've seen significant improvement if you'll just remember five things you're grateful for every night before you go to bed. To mild to moderate depression symptoms, that it actually starts dealing stuff with your, this organ, this brain up here, and your chemical balances and things like that just by being grateful. So 
This is, this is the prayer rhythm. Don't be nervous. I see some of you guys diligently taking pictures. That's wonderful. We're actually not launching today. We're going to launch next Sunday. Okay, so, so um, I mean, you can start praying whenever you want. <laughs> we were talking to the elders. Hey, you guys think we should do this prayer thing? They're like, what is the answer? No. You know, it's like, they're like yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but I want to reframe again. Why are we going to pray? Because this is what we do. We are the temple of the living God. We are the presence of God. Have you ever lived a life, ever been living a way that I thought, man, I don't want to do evangelism because I don't want to invite anybody into what I'm living. I've felt that way many times. But the more time I've found to, just on a regular basis, and something like this helps, hang my life on Jesus, I start to notice that I'm not as stressed about running the world because I'm asking God to run it. He's doing fine without me. This is what we do. It's our normal practice. It's what leads to stuff that matters. I bet we could stay here for hours today if we just said, yeah, I had this one time when I checked in with the Lord and I changed my plans. And this happened. Just raise hands if if anybody's had that kind of experience. Or I prayed and God redirected. I mean, he loves us so much. I used to say, there's not enough hours in the day. And I had a buddy correct me. He said, that's not true. He said, there's not enough hours in the day for you to get done what you want to get done. But Jesus has plenty of hours to do what he wants. Isn't that fun, though? Because I find like he's way more relaxed than I am generally and not at all trying to prove anything to anyone ever. Which totally messes with my ego. But I'd rather live with him. Prayer is what leads to stuff that matters. We want to shift from what do we do to who do we follow. We could say that, but if we're not checking in, ongoing way, it's hard to actually be listening to who do we follow. But this is why we want to do it together. We're better together. I don't know about you, but my willpower runs out fast. It runs out fast. And there's something about doing something together that there's a lift. What is it that the birds in flight, you know, to going together? I don't know. This is a picture in our bathroom upstairs, John. What is it? It's like birds together in flight, lift, you know, there's less. Yeah. We really do better together when you know someone else is doing this. What if you're having lunch with a friend from Believer's Church? You're like, oh, hey, let's pray for our case, Matt. It's that simple. We just ask each other about it in a loving way. In a loving way. Um, So, here's your assignment this week. What do you mean? I go to church and they tell me to do stuff? (laughs) Assignment? I'm supposed to relax. Ah, we labor into, to enter into God's rest. There's, you, you, how many of you feel like, like me, like you get on this hamster wheel and I don't even know how to get off? There's work to be done to enter into the rest of God, to be following what he's doing day by day. He has truly beautiful ways to live. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble of heart. What is yoke? You guys remember we talked about this? His teaching, his way of living. Jesus prayed 
in an ordered way throughout the day. His disciples did it. Well, if this is his yoke, and if it makes our lives a little lighter and easier, why wouldn't we do it? Just imitating Jesus. And so what I'd like you to do is ask the Lord about this. Of course, we're not going to follow up with every single person and just say, you know, at the door, are you praying for things? You know, how many did you check off? That's just, that's dark. You know, that's not good. Ask the Lord about it. I want you to do it because he wants you to do it. You know what I'm saying? That, like, isn't it cool that language that Israel said that, uh, that a treasure hunt tomorrow? Oh, cool. What might be the Lord doing tomorrow that I might discover him? So ask the Lord this week. Lord, do you want me to do, jump into this? And notice I'm, I'm not saying ask yourself. Because he may say no, and it's okay. Do what he tells you. Please. He will only fund efforts he starts. God is not obligated to sustain anything he doesn't initiate. And then plan your week. Look, look for like, well, how, the, how will this impact my week? What would this look like for me? Would it be a thing where like the moment I wake up, I try to do that and then I realize there went the alarm. You, you know, say like I wake up, oh Lord, I contemplate. <clears throat> That's just what happens for me generally. I have to at least stand up, you know, or something like that. Um, and this week, could you create your oikos map? Could you sit down and just think? It's just as simple as what are those relationships near me of people that are far from God? Whether they've never been with Jesus or wandered from Jesus. And, and it doesn't honestly take all that much effort. Just ask the Lord. I, I encourage you, the best way to develop any habits is start with the achievable. Like start not with praying for 30 people. Don't do that. Unless you think you have capacity for that. I'd start with two or three. Unless the Lord gives you more. And just let him level you up as time goes on. All right? And so we're going to actually launch this rhythm next Sunday. And our test is through Easter. And so we're actually going to do this prayer rhythm together in the service on Sunday. All right? So, so we just get a dry run at it. So we're trying to make this as, as, as achievable as possible. Guys, <laughs> what was it? Uh, I'm going to mess up my sources here. but So we work with guys like in India, a guy named Kumar, who over the last decade, is it, Dane? The guy is, is, is crazy. He, he's responsible for at least 500,000, not salvations, church plants. Oh, he's, he's approaching the million mark. My bad. So he's pet. But it's simple churches that are typically like 12 to 50 people. Being disciple. We're using a lot of the same stuff. Like when you look at our discipleship map, that's the stuff that Kumar and these guys are using. That's why we use it. Um, why did I mention that? Oh. <laughs> And they've said, when we talk to guys like this, and Dane, you can corroborate, because Dane's doing more of the traveling internationally, said, the biggest obstacle for the American church to see something like this is they're too busy. Am I right? right? Yeah, we're just too busy. And so you're like, but don't you ever feel kind of helpless? I do. Because Saturday's coming with the soccer games. Then we got this thing. Then we got this thing. Then we got this thing. But what if we could start to walk into some some rhythms that we saw that Jesus and his disciples practiced 
that would just start to nudge us toward what it would look like in a practical way to reorder our lives into a way that we would actually live out the stuff that actually matters. The stuff that brings us alive, that, that we're not asking. I believe if, if we obey Jesus, we stop asking questions on like, what am I going to do with my life to matter? You're overwhelmed with how am I going to handle all that he's bringing my way? Because I don't have time for this. You're going to have to show me what you want to focus on. <laughs> Lord, that's been my experience. Because the need is massive and overwhelming. So, yeah, let's stand together. Maybe we can just ask the Lord right now, um, and maybe that'll be enough for you. Maybe you need some more time with Jesus this week. But I'm excited about just what God's going to do in us. Think about this. If even just a third of us prayed daily for our Oikos map, what might happen? I mean, I'm 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 not a very good prayer. I'm a bad evangelist, and I've been able to engage with three people that I wasn't engaged before in a discipleship, ongoing relationship, because I simply prayed. I mean, we could triple the number of people that are being discipled like this. You realize what a big deal this is? So, Lord, we, we, here we are. We want to say, Lord, we don't know what we're doing unless you tell us what to do. And Lord, I just don't even want to do anything unless you tell me what to do. You are the good one. You're the genius. You're the brilliant one. And you're the one who loves us so deeply, so intimately. You're with me when I'm the most scared. You're with me when I'm a failure and covered in shame. You're with me when I'm angry. Out of control, Lord, you've you've seen me through it all and you've forgiven me and you're changing me into somebody that looks beautiful, more like Jesus. So, Lord, I, I can't think of anything else I'd rather have than you. But I don't know how to live, Lord. So will you teach us how to live? Teach us how to live together. And Lord, it feels like this is from you. It feels like something you might want to do in us. So will you, will you capture our hearts, capture our affections, capture our desires, so we might be able to hook into the desire of nations, which is Jesus himself. Knowing that our desires are not too strong, they're too weak. Speak to us now this week. Through Jesus I pray. Amen. And Betty's in the room, you're far from God, you want to meet him, come up and talk. We'd love to talk about it. We'll start this next week. Love you guys. Have a great week.